Mic check, my mic, mic check. Can they hear us? Can they hear us? Can they hear us now? Good. Thank you to everyone who tunes in to Combo's Court across the globe. Combo Nation, what up? What up? What up, everyone? And welcome to Combo's Court. And I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. You know you could catch me on Twitter at Combo's Court, same name as the podcast, and on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Let me know how you feel about the show on those platforms. Tag me. I'll try to reply to everyone. Today's show, Trey Edwards of The Athletic joins in to talk Zion, Sixers Harden, Anthony Simons, and more a fantastic conversation with Trey. You could catch Trey's work on The Athletic and on Twitter at Travon. That's T-R-A-V-O-N-N-E. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Trey Edwards of The Athletic, welcome to Combo's Court, man. How you feeling today? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, anytime. Um, it, it, your work is great on The Athletic. You know, I tune in, I listen, but uh, walk me through what your journey prior to The Athletic, like in media, as a player and everything else, just how you landed here, because uh, I think you have a fascinating story. Yeah, I would say I was a subpar player. I worked really hard but I don't think I was like ever a star. Like, I mean, if you Google me, you I'm probably low points. I don't think I've averaged more than five points a game just because I was a pass first point guard. My assists were high, but, um, you know, I, I had a couple games where I scored some buckets, but like, I'd never, it, it never dawned on me that I was going to play professional basketball, like in the NBA or nothing like that. So um, I kind of hung up early after I was finished with college basketball. I played a little bit you know, in the NBL of Canada and uh, a few other leagues, but I, I didn't see myself playing, you know, a 10-year, 15-year professional career. So um, I transitioned out of that. I was a school teacher, um, but I'm from Los Angeles, California, home of the pros, tons <laughs> of pros. Um, right. And I'm also in the age group. I'm 37 in the same uh, class as LeBron. So a lot of guys came and passed. And I played against a bunch of guys at that time during high school and things of that nature so um yeah I built those relationships from there but um after that being a school teacher um I was invited to um basically um do a true hoop um David Thorpe podcast David Thorpe shouts to Thorpe yeah definitely um, definitely shouts to and Thorpe. you know Jade Hoy and, and and the homies and we were on there and and from there you know pretty much we um you know, I would take breaks from teaching class on my prep period and, and record these pods, not knowing that it was on the ESPN platform. And, um, you know, I enjoyed doing it after a while and like see a future in it, but I just did it for the love, you know what I mean? Off of just, you know, um, being able to talk about a sport that I love so much and 
from a, a, a high IQ standpoint. And, you know, when you're podcasting with journalists, sometimes they don't see it from a player perspective. So um, being able to translate it that way, but then I didn't get a chance to break it down X and O wise. It was more on a comedic side. So a lot of my stuff was like jokes and, you know, I didn't really enjoy that because um, I was way better than how I came off. You know what I mean? I didn't want to be a clown and things of that nature, but it, but, it, was, so, but was somebody asking you to do that or no, 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 no. Okay. I just, I did. I really didn't. I just was just trolling the whole little thing. Like I really didn't oh, okay. see a future in this. I wasn't like, you know, cool. I'll make my little wisecracks and whatever. And people thought I was funny on Twitter. And as the following continued to grow, it was like, all right, well, you, you do know I did used to play basketball and I do know how to break this game down if you actually want to put me in there because I was like thrown into the fire. And sometimes I didn't really like the idea of like, I can tell that, you know, likes of Rachel Nichols and Brian Winhurst and, you know, I can go down the line. We're getting, starting to get like tiresome of it. You know what I mean? Like, all right, come on. Why am I like sharing stage with him? So after a while, I kind of loosened up and I start talking about, the game a little bit more and, and peeling back the layers and sh- sharing it from a player's perspective. And then that's when I started to earn my keep there. Um, and I've always had like Intel as far as just, you know, hanging out with players and, and, you know, just being a, a fly on the wall, but like, I never kind of gave it up. You know what I mean? I was media trained. I knew how to duck and dodge questions and not, <laughs> and not, and not be a mole. You know what I mean? Cause my relationships with my, with my friends and these, and these guys that were in the league were way more important. Um, and fast forward to that, I left teaching. We started Count the Dings, um, Basket Buds episodes mm. and stuff like that, which was a, a huge leap because, you know, we're, 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 we're moving off faith. And, you know, um, after a year of podcasting and on Patreon and things of that nature, we were, um, we were bought by the Athletic, acquired and also hired. So, that's how I became an NBA analyst. Um, I've been with the Athletic for um, three years now. Um, it doesn't feel like three years. Time is flying, um, but I've been enjoying it, you know, getting paid to talk basketball and give my expertise. And, you know, I love going back and forth with the fans sometimes, you know, because it's immediate feedback on Twitter. Um, and it's different than Instagram because Instagram is more visual, but getting that immediate feedback and, your opinion being valued and, you know, especially on the national media outlet. Yeah. It's, mo- it's been a journey. Nah, most definitely. I mean, you mentioned you were a fly on the wall. I mean, I played myself and you, you know, like when your team is winning, it kind of cures everything when your team is losing, you know, there's dysfunction, but it feels like there's more dysfunction than ever across all NBA teams. Like the Nets had it, the Six ha- Sixers had it. I mean, they were obviously contenders, um, we see this stuff going on with Zion. I wanted to hear your thoughts with that because there seems to be dysfunction there. And, you know, J.J. Redick, he comes from a player's perspective and he says he's a detached teammate. Do you feel like there, these NBA teams have always had this level of dysfunction or that there's just more player driven media? So we find out about it more. Uh, a little bit of both. I think okay. a lot of stuff, you know, before social media became prevalent for the media side, I think more so it was in-house. A lot of those things didn't leak, you know, and now you can say whatever you want. And a lot of some of these young guys don't know the game. So they'll talk to a journalist and just, 
You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. why did you say that? And now, you know, I got a whole story about it or whatever. And then you also got the unhappy star that wants to be traded or wants the franchise to make some moves and be aggressive and fake threat them. You know what I mean? So in those particular situations, you have to be mindful of that. And in Zion Williamson's situation, like even JJ, you know, challenging him. I don't think it's calling him out. I don't think it's bullying him. It's just like, be a human being, be a professional, do understand you get paid a lot of money to do these things. Right. And since this is a player's league, it kind of goes over, you know what I mean? Over the radar on certain things where guys are just like, I'm going to sit out and I want to get traded and I want to do this. And it's kind of been supportive in that way because the first person to go normally is a scapegoat is the head coach. Right. Or they give the player what they want. They find a destination for him and they get happy. You know what I mean? So in this particular situation, he was drafted to a team. He's been hurt. Um, you know, he's been out of shape. Things haven't been going how it's supposed to be going. They've allowed him to be in Portland, Oregon and get his mind right, get his body right, get his mental right. And or in hopes that he would return. He's not going to return this season. And now the city has turned their back on him at this point because you know, it's it's almost to a point where you're looking at it as you don't reach out to CJ McCollum. You're not at games. You're not active in the community. Like you're pretty much clocked out. You know, once April hits, you go to back to wherever you're living now. And it's like, I just right. work there. You know what I mean? And, you know, they 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 overly accepted him from day one. And I think that it's unfortunate that, you know, um, New Orleans has ended up with two first round picks that have won it out. You know what I mean? And um, luckily they've traded for CJ McCollum, who's a guy who is going to embrace that community and continue to build a new culture around himself, as well as support the organization and trust them to do what they need to do for them. I've been through injuries, so I'm not going to say anybody is a liar and I'm not accusing of anybody being a liar, but there is a chance that this guy could be more healthy than seems and he just doesn't want to be playing with the Pelicans, right? No, I think it, uh, so the reports were that um, it didn't heal right. Yeah. And when it goes to those situations, which a lot of people don't understand, the same thing as Joe Harris, right? Joe Harris had ankle surgery and then yeah. something came up and when it's flagged, it's flagged. Right. You can't do anything about it. I mean, I got in a car accident, I broke my leg. And in hopes of the recovery was like, okay, if this bone grows back wrong, we have to re-break my leg. And that happens so often, you know what I mean, in sports specifically. And with Zion, he has, with his weight, he walks a certain way. He does. And yeah. that prevents, that puts more work on his, on his structure and his bones and things of that nature. And especially with something as you know, vital as knees and ankles and all that stuff goes with hips and it can kind of trickle down. And, you know, with his weight, those things don't help at all. Yeah. It's interesting because they even said at one point they were trying to retrain the way he walks and retrain his gait. Yeah, absolutely. Those were, those are things that were, were, were kind of um, focused on, you know what I mean? Learning how to walk and, you know, posture and things of that nature. Cause it's so important, but you know, a fan is not going to ever consume it that way. It's just like get healthy and get back out there and play. And it's like, it's way deeper because you want to, you know, these guys are investments and you want to have them long-term. You don't want to have them for five years. And 
you know, I've seen these these bogus stats of like he's played just as much games as Greg Oden and things of that nature. You know what I mean? And these comparisons and this kid is still young and he's going to be, you know, effective wherever he ends up. And, you know, when he returns to the court, he's walking 25 and 10. But at the end of the day, health is more important. And that's the main focus and making sure that he's mentally there. You know what I mean? Like, I don't necessarily think that he wants out. I think that in the particular situation, he's just trusting his team and who's advising him to do what he needs to do. Yeah. So from one dysfunctional team to a not so dysfunctional team anymore, the 76ers, you know, right when I saw James Harden uh, with that jersey on, it looked right. Like it looked like it fit well. You ever see a player? You're like, that doesn't look right, man. But, you know, it looked right with him. And he just does look like he's in better shape. I don't know. I mean, there's ways to get in better shape in that amount of time, but it's tough. Um, What have you made of his play so far? Because I think him and Joel have fit seamlessly and I think it's going to be more about the players around him and how they fit in I was honestly shocked about the pace that they've been playing at it's such up tempo it's almost similar to a seven seconds or left less um Phoenix Suns offense um they are moving and James looks great um I it's crazy think- it's, it's crazy because when I was watching I'm like that looks tiring like on both mm-hmm. sides of the floor I was like that looks tiring yeah yeah so I mean honestly like I won't never say that a player is ever, you know, faking an injury or whatnot. I think that there's a lot of factors that went into it. James wasn't happy in Brooklyn and it was, you know, it wasn't direct and it wasn't transparent. Um, And, you know, sometimes it had to get to a point of like, you know, he did what's best for him, which is find himself in a new organization, which is the Philadelphia 76ers. And he's reunited with Daryl Morey and, you know, he's loving what he's doing right now. Um, and it worked out for them. And then also for the Brooklyn Nets, they got the pieces that they needed. And I think that they'll be fine as well. But um, James Hamstrings looks great. You know what I mean? You always want to see players healthy. You want to wish the players the best. And again, I'm, I'm all for his happiness first before anything. I mean, I've been very critical about his effort. And it, it was more body language than anything. And, you know, I'm not questioning to ever say he's washed, but I think the effort wasn't there, the lack of focus. I think that he grown tiresome of, you know, Kyrie Irving being a part-time player and, you know, having to be, to play with guys that he felt like the roster wasn't competitive enough to win ball games. Um, and that's, 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 that's his perspective and not where, you know, the Nets are, because I do think that they do have valuable pieces that are used sparingly, um, but how that team is built. And then, you know, we don't never factor in how, when you look at, how certain stars are placed together. When you look at this Lakers team, right? And you look mm-hmm. on paper and you say, oh, they're going to win it all. But it's like, okay, are they really? Have you just, have you seen who's going to make a sacrifice? Who's going to do this, that, and the third? And there's not a lot of sacrifices because like Russell Westbrook is ball dominant. LeBron James is ball dominant. Um, Anthony Davis is supposed to be the number one guy now. And LeBron is carrying a heavier load than he should at 37 years old. Also, AD cannot stay healthy. Carmelo Anthony is supposed to step in and, you know, play a small role. He's not having such a great year. Malik Monk, you're relying on young guys who've never been in these type of moments, and they're inconsistent. They got rid of all the type of players that helped them get to where they needed to be in a 2020 bubble championship. You know what I mean? Because Alex Caruso was winning those 50-50 balls. He was playing defense. Yeah. You look at those type of things. You have Rajon Rondo. Um, quarterback in the offense sometimes 
You know what I mean? Like you, you, you can go down the line and look at the things that made K- them good. KCP. They lost out on him too. Yeah. Another, another defensive guy that got such, um, you know, such tough criticism from the fans because yeah i never understood you don't you, yeah. you don't you don't really understand what it is until you you, you know you, until you lose that and i mean you know not to knock a russell westbrook or anything but it just it just never fit i mean he's from los angeles you know playing for the lakers is a dream but you have to account you have to make accommodations you have to be able to to work with each other and in this situation He's not going to be a slasher. He's not going to work on his jump shot to become a better jump shooter. You know what I mean? Like these things, it's like he's struggling with the shot. And it's not solely on him because you got plays where LeBron's taking off and he's gassed and he's, you know, pointing at guys when that's his rotation and things of that nature. And, you know, although LeBron's numbers are there, I still think that it solely still falls on him to still be a leader and not, and, and not take full responsibility for this. You know what I mean? Like, I think it, it's it been a me, me, me season as he individually clowns, yeah. like, you know what I mean? And in that situation, but um, they have a lot of work to do. And I think that they went backwards trying to go after names instead of dogs. Yeah, staying on LeBron, because I feel like you have such a great read on situations like this. He's had interesting comments lately, like he wouldn't close the door on playing for Cleveland. He wants to play with his son. And now there's additional reports saying that, you know, he wants to play for as long as he can as a Laker. I mean, don't you see the contradiction there like I do? Yeah, I mean, I think when you're asked those certain questions, you don't want to say that question, stupid questions, because, you know, reporters yeah. and journalists come in and ask questions about sneakers about you know what you guys were talking about on the court like just things that don't so I mean when you get a question about another franchise sometimes I think it can be answered a little differently but I wasn't crazy about his answer but I I am for sure uh I understand the passion about him actually playing on a team with his son I'm not sure how it happens you know what I mean or how much leeway he has at this particular time whenever Bronny does decide to you know, make it to the NBA because he still has to make it to the NBA. I mean, I guess if LeBron's still playing at a high level, some team takes the gamble and says, all right, we'll drop your son, whether it's first round, second round, just in hopes that we get yeah. you, you know what I mean? So um, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know what I mean? Like that's a bigger, a bigger picture, but I think the, the, the focus on the season has been lost, you know what I mean? In translation, yeah. like it's not, it's not a main focal point. We're talking about, what OKC is doing, what is, you know, playing with Bronny and, you know, instead of focusing on the real issue of like, how can the Lakers turn this thing around in the next 20 games? You know what I mean? Is it lost calls? Do we pack it up? Do we rest LeBron? Do we yeah. save him a little bit more? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and obviously LeBron doesn't want to sit because he loves basketball and I'll never question that. But I think at the end of the day, him scoring 35 points or averaging 35 in the last 10 games or last 13 games means nothing to Laker fans. Yeah. Speaking of a team that should pack it up and their coach seems like he's not interested in that are the Knicks. Uh, Tibbs, like, man, it's like, I don't know. I feel like he just can't. I know read the room is probably not the right basketball term, but basically read the room because like he needs to start featuring his youth. It's almost like with Cam, in my opinion, he's doing the thing where, look, I'm playing Cam, like, look, but not really letting him get into rhythm. What are your thoughts on the way he's coaching? And, and do you feel like basketball has passed him by? No, I don't think 
basketball has passed him, passed him by, but he has a my way highway thing, right? Yeah. Last year he was paraded, you know, greatest coach ever, right? You know, yeah, the true. back to the playoffs, you true. know what I mean? Things of that nature. Um, kind of, you know, ran an offense that solely kind of focused on Julius Randle. And I think that those two people who were herald or, you know, um, given the most credit to are actually the downfall of this team this season. You know what I mean? Instead yeah. of, you know, because when you look at it, like, instead of building confidence for RJ, for a quickly, yeah. for a Grimes, for a Toppin, like, they're still trying to play through, you know, Randall. And I get it. Randall makes the big bucks, but at the end of the day, it's not working. And then you're also trying to, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, you, you, he's stubborn at this point. You know what I mean? Like that, that's, that's where it's at now. And it's unfortunate because Knicks fans have to deal with that. But I honestly would just say, I, I think Knicks fans would be even more satisfied if they're just grooming the second year guys. You know, I mean, a great example was when Ben Simmons, you know, was out with injuries or he wasn't playing great. Tyrese Maxey was thrown out into the fire and able to get those experiences. And I feel like those right. are the type of experiences that now the confidence is there when they're given an opportunity to start or to contribute or be in a rotation. And you have to worry about those guys picking up. That's why I'm not worried about the Brooklyn Nets because their rookies have got crazy reps this year, like more than enough. So if something does happen in the playoffs and they get numbers, Carl, they're not, the stage is not too big for them. That's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. So with the Knicks, um, I would love RJ to be the guy and kind of play through him and then also build the confidence of other players and, and, and kind of find a potential target for Julius Randle just because, you know, I don't see him being a second option or team first. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, be, it's beyond that. You know what I mean? Like the all-star thing was probably the worst thing that could have possibly happened to him because that's how they struggled in the playoffs. Yeah, with him, I just feel like he has to make quicker decisions out there. Like, either right. drive it, shoot it, pass it. He likes to hold it and take tough twos, and it's just not conducive to winning. This year, at mm-hmm. least. All right, so I wanted to uh, shift to another. You mentioned CJ earlier, and I think part of the reason they the Blazers felt comfortable um, trading CJ was the emergence of Anthony Simons. Are you convinced that Anthony is a star? Uh, I don't know about a star. I think he's... You know, he's very good. He's a, a, a confident scorer. Or, or will be a star is the better question. I mean, saying a star, stars just – the potential's there. I'll, I'll be nice and say the potential's there because it's, yeah. it takes a lot to be a star. You know what I mean? I think, that yeah. we, I think we use that too loosely. I think we, you know, we, 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 we gawk over role players now to these points, you know, and pay well, them – I, I do over extensive number. I will say that role players now are a closer level to stars than has ever been in the league, in my yeah. opinion. Absolutely, and yeah. I, I think that Anthony Simons is going to have a great future in Portland, but he also has to remember that he's second fiddle to Damian Lillard, and at the moment, yeah. it's, it's it's fun and dandy right now because he gets to play by himself, you know. Um, but he will be sharing a rock, and I think that, you know. He, he's played himself into a, a large deal. And I think that his confidence is going to continue to grow um, with this Blazers organization. They're going to continue to believe in him. But like, yeah, I don't, 
you know, I, I, I wouldn't basically call it a, a star. I, I, I really like his game. And I think that, you know, he is going to be, you know, maybe even most improved player. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the most improved player award is often just the guy who got more opportunity award. It's not that that player took that crazy of a leap. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Trey, uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Great conversation. You're always welcome back. Where can we find you on social media and everywhere else? Uh, you can find me at Trevon uh, on Instagram. I know on Twitter and at Trevon Edwards on Instagram. Thanks so much for taking the time. You're always welcome back on the show and talk soon, man. Talk soon, brother. There it is. Another episode of Combo's Court. Thank you for tuning into the show. Punch down on that subscribe button so you don't miss the latest episodes of Combo's Court. Big shouts to Trey for joining in. We appreciate you. You know you could catch me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. And on Twitter at Combo's Court. Same name as the podcast. Be on the lookout for episode 3, 4, 6. Combo out.